We come from the net. Blogs, websites, podcasts, to this place. The The Mainframe Chronicle. Our format, podcasters. To analyze and discuss. To discuss the shows below. Their strengths and flaws. We discuss them until our job day. Frisket? Not good! This is not good! It's an infinite data Elsa flu. What's that? It means run like you've never run before! say the listener lives outside the net and listens to the podcast no one knows for sure but what we intend to find out mainframe chronicle hey guys just before we get started i wanted to say a few thank yous special shout outs because uh we kind of forgot to do that when we recorded this so the first one goes to bob buckley productions for the awesome orchestral intro music and the second one goes to out to uh emily alcock in australia for the awesome logos that you see on our social media pages so thank you to both of them and here we go with episode two of mainframe chronicle hello and welcome to the mainframe chronicle a review podcast for the tv animated show reboot I am Daniel Janes. And I'm Joey Morris. In this episode, we'll be covering the next three episodes of Reboot. Uh, that it is The Medusa Bug, The Tiff, and In the Belly of the Beast. I'll need two Highline Virucidals, self-adjusting, and a level 8 desktop rebuilder, wide fielding. What? This is not the supercomputer, Bob. I'm afraid this is all we have to offer. Virus Erase Command? 
Don't you think that's a little primitive? Perhaps, but it is the best we have. Hmm. I suppose if we boost its power with an add-on, it might do the trick. Crude, but simple. Then let us make it so. All right, uh, we're, here we're going to discuss Episode 4, Season 1, The Medusa Bug. The original air date was October 8, 1994. Today's episode was written by Lane Reichert, and the story was by, again, Lane Reichert, Ian Piercing, Phil Mitchell, and Gavin Blair. The summary for today's episode is Bob and Enzo spend some time convincing Dot to go out and take a break from working. It takes a lot of persuading, uh, but they get her out there. Uh, and then it comes to Megabyte, and he's bragging about to the idiotic duo that he stole Hexadecimal's Medusa's box. He's super proud of himself. A mini battle ensues when Hex shows up demanding it back. Megabyte gets away and unleashes the box, which releases the Meg Medusa's bug. This bug turns the city into stone. It spreads out from the box and engulfs Megabyte and spreads out to the get the whole city. As the gang finds out about it, they go and talk to Huang. They discuss the plan to evacuate to what looks like a sports dome complex in the middle of the city. Huang gives the mob a possible weapon to fight the virus. Enzo and Dot are overseeing the evacuation, and Bob goes out to use the bomb to erase Medusa. But it fails. He regrouses the others in the city center. The dome locks down tight, but the Medusa gets through all of the fences, and everything gets frozen by Medusa. Bob is able to break free and then confronts Hex. He tricks into killing the Medusa bug by talking about how predictable the world is now. Afterwards, the gang is trying to relax when suddenly an incoming game appears and the credits roll. So, Dan, what did you think of the Medusa bug? Uh, this is one that I ended up watching several times in preparation for the podcast just because I would get distracted or the, you know... Skype would fail us, and then we wouldn't be able to record, so I had to watch it again to be fresh on it. And Sure. Uh, you know, I'm totally okay with watching it over and over again, because it, it's really intriguing story. And the way he uh, convinces Hex to reverse it is just fantastic, because she thrives on chaos. And so he just says, you know, this is going to be super boring and predictable, but good job i like i kind of like what you did with the place and she's like what no i don't want predictable and then just reverses it well yeah absolutely i mean hexadecimal was just recently introduced and now we have flushed out the character she wants chaos that's what she thrives on that's her only mission in life and it kind of you know gives a nod to guardian bomb too he's not all about um, just physically beating them. He understands that you have to play hexadecimal a little bit. I mean, in all, essentially, he lost in every way, shape, or form. The only way that he was able to save the day was by talking to hexadecimal and convincing her that she hasn't created chaos. You know, she's created predictability. I mean, that's that's intelligent. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of Superman, where you know he's not always fighting. He's is also super intelligent and has to outsmart his enemies. Oh, absolutely. I can, I can attest to that. Well, and it also reminds me of an episode of Batman, the animated series. I'm assuming you've seen that right, Dan. I'm sure I've seen some of it. I can't remember what the episode was exactly, but there was a kid that was going crazy. She had huge amount of power. She was killing everything. I, I wish I could, I should have looked this up before we go out there. But Batman sits in, and he is sent in. Oh, excuse me. It wasn't Batman the Animated Series. It was Justice League because he was sent in from the Watchtower. I remember this. And he goes and sits next to this girl on the swing. And now Batman, of course, doesn't have any powers, but he's able to talk to her about mortality and about death and, like, convinced her to back down. You know, characters like that are what, are what make you great. You know, because you can come at a problem from multiple angles. So that's what it reminded me. Yeah. There is an argument that Batman does have a power, and his power is that he always wins. <laughs> that's true. Batman never loses. You're absolutely right. <laughs> but that's a different podcast. So, right. a um, couple of notes I had during the opening shot. There's a bunch of vid windows 
one of them is a new product of and it's bob's hair i guess it's like a wig or something but it's the advertisement says stay frosty which is kind of bob's and I, I don't know it's not even really bob's saying he said it once and it's even a reference to some other show i think battlestar um but yeah there's that there's an one vid window has an abacus which is you know the way 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 long ago predecessor of a computer one could argue um that's true there's a billboard with uh for sir cuts hair dressing which is one letter away from circuits which are essential in computers and it has a copy and paste special so i thought that was pretty funny yeah so i mean it Again, all all of that just encompasses why the show is great. Just little tiny add-ins. You know that there's a room full of developers that are just adding the stuff in and cracking up to themselves. You know? Oh, yeah. I'm sure they added the stuff just as inside jokes to themselves. And then, you know, us nerds get to cherish it 20 years later, almost. Right. I know. I love it. <laughs> Megabyte is kind of super vicious. I mean, he turns on the Medusa bug but he has no idea what it does. Like he knows it's Hex's uh, weapon, I guess. And he's just like, well, Hex is crazy. So this must be a good weapon and turns it on. Yeah. But Megabyte, I, I thought that was almost out of character because Megabyte has always wanted to control everything. And so that's, that's true. the difference between Hexadecimal. Hexadecimal wants to unleash chaos, doesn't care what happens, but Megabyte wants to control every aspect of everything. So it was a little, I thought a little out of character. Yeah, it did seem kind of weird, but it was just an interesting twist. Yeah, um, absolutely. Speaking of Hexadecimal and chaos, when they're discussing the Medusa bug, uh, Bob and Fong and Dot and Enzo, they discuss how it's way too unpredictable and dangerous to be megabytes creation and it's almost chaotic so the obvious conclusion is hexadecimal right so i mean everybody knows that she just wants chaos insanity no you're absolutely right and i thought hexadecimal i mean you really saw the power that hexadecimal command Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, she was doing some crazy stuff. Especially at the end when she just, like, snaps her fingers and destroys the Medusa bug. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't, I don't, we, I don't think we fully even yet grasp the power of Hexadecimal. The good thing she's off a rocker. Cool. Medusa bug is obviously a reference to the Medusa a creature of Greek mythology that turns people to stone by glaring at them. And the city turns to stone. That That's a pretty obvious one. Right, and if you look at Hexadecimal too, you know, Medusa's always told that snakes his hair. You know, with those crazy stuff behind Hexadecimal, it kind of also is reminiscent of that. The uh, Her dress has those um, I don't even know what you call them, really. I mean, they're just, they look like snakes, but they're just yeah. pieces of cloak. It's its like a, a cloak or a cape just went through a massive shredder and just, yeah. it's just remnants of it. But it, yeah, it does look kind of snake-like. Um, I liked that uh, when Fong gives Bob the viral erase command, it's in the shape of an actual eraser. <laughs> yeah, that cracked me up. Like a little pink eraser that you'd have in like elementary school. Exactly. That was pretty amusing to me. Oh no, absolutely. I I thought one of the saddest moments of this entire episode is when Frisket got uh, overcome by the the virus. That was really sad. That was really intense. I, I almost teared up a little. I know. I mean, we don't even really know the full extent of Frisket's awesomeness yet. But uh, I thought it was terrible. Yeah, that's coming soon, though. Yes, very soon. On the side of... There's a transport bus that's uh, moving a bunch of binomes over to the place where they're hiding out. And Mm -hmm. on the side of it, it says, you could be zipping. Which is, of course, (laughs) a reference to zip files, which just come 
buying a bunch of things and compress it to make it a smaller file to transport, which is exactly what they're doing, which is really awesome. Absolutely. I loved the, um, I don't actually, what is, what is that building in the middle called? Is there I don't a name know. That? Um, I don't think it's mentioned here. Um, yeah, it's weird. Well, I thought when we were inside of the sphere, um, you know, it was just a great atmosphere, I guess, of every, all the binomes hiding out. I think there was even a fire going. I mean, that was a little crazy, I think. Uh, they've only been in there for, like, five minutes, and they're sitting yeah. there roasting over the fire. But it was it still gave the right idea, I think. Yeah, it was. It totally had a feel of, like, a bunch of homeless people or, like, an old Western movie where they're all just sitting around, like, cooking beans, and it's pretty funny. Also, when they're in there, there's a... Like a little family of binomes, and the dad holds up a hex mask and looks at the kid, and the kid sees it and craps his pants and starts crying. Yeah, that was great. Did you see the doll that he was carrying? Though? Yeah, it, it was like dressed like Bob. Craziness. <laughs> I thought that was great. It's too bad it didn't have the uh, crazy girl haircut from episode one. Oh man, that, that would have been funny. that would have been a great callback. <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> Um, and I, who was it? And I should have, I wrote it down, but I didn't write who said it. Somebody said, make it so. Who was that? Was that Megabyte? Uh, I think so. I think it was Megabyte. And of course, that's an, another uh, Next Generation um, reference, because that's Captain Picard's famous, you know, make it so, number one. Yeah. But, uh, so again, I really enjoyed that. There's a couple of good shots, I thought, too, like camera shots, if, you, if that's what you call it. But, you know, yeah. in the beginning, there was a lot of different shots on Megabyte, um, you know, kind of just seeing him from all angles. And then as the virus was spreading, you actually got to see the city being enveloped by this virus from the virus's angle. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, they do tend to have a lot of cool shots on this show. Yeah, and, I, you know, it all came down to this whole episode was based on Hexadecimal, you know, allowing Megabyte to steal Medusa's bug so that he would turn it on. And that is such a better trap than the last episode, or was that two episodes ago, with the delete uh, mask. I mean, that was oh, ridiculous yeah. and obvious. This was planned and, and awesome and actually worked, you know, so I thought that was pretty cool. All right, so um, do you have a favorite saying from this episode? Uh, I'm just gonna, There was a lot of good computer jargon, um, but just because I like Next Generation, I'm going to go with the Make It So reference. Gotcha. But there's a lot of good stuff out there. What about you, Dan? I, I think my favorite was when Hex is uh, threatening and fighting uh, Megabyte and hack and slash megabyte is like uh says something along the lines of i don't pay you to think do i and hack and slash do their little mumbo jumbo of no no i don't think that's not why you pay us at all no not at all like they're just very willing to admit that they're idiots essentially well yeah they're minions well get to work you two i don't keep you around for your brains now do i no sir not our brains absolutely not Fong's lesson in this episode isn't very clear. Um, it's to to paraphrase it, it's get everyone out of the city. Hex is crazy. We don't know what to do to it. Yeah, I was kind of I was kind of disappointed, not in Fong himself, but just the name frame about how ill prepared they are for such a thing. I mean, yes, they evacuated to the sphere and, and locked it down and maybe that would have been enough, but there's no kind of defense except for Guardian Bop, which, you know, we've seen in the past and we'll continue to see that he barely beats them every time, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I would assume that there should be some kind of other defense as well, but there's just not. Yeah, it is pretty weird. Do you want to move on to the TIFF episode five? All right. Just a note on production of the show. Due to production delays of the fifth episode of Reboot, uh, 
it was not the tiff was not ready to air after the medusa bug aired so they had several short promo spots each only a couple minutes long uh that told a story of megabyte creating his own version of the medusa bug and unleashing it on mainframe just you know to kill time before the tiff was able to be aired are those available on the dvd set I don't know if they're on the DVDs, but I will take a look and see if I can post them somewhere. Sounds like a plan to me. Where have you two been? We just stopped off to do a little circuit racing on our way back from school. Circuit racing? That wasn't on the schedule. Oh, come on, Dot. It doesn't hurt for Enzo to have a little fun. You remember fun, don't you, Dot? Doesn't hurt? Bob, I was supposed to take Enzo to his ancient language class milliseconds ago. Now we're so late that my entire schedule is offline. Oh, Dot, you have your whole life planned out. Why, you probably know where you're going to be at 10,030. That would be the input-output conference in Sector 1. See? You've got to take time to smell the daisy wheels. I'd love to, Bob, but right now Enzo and I are late. Ancient languages? Mega boring. Kobol, Fortran, they're dinosaurs. Now moving on to episode number five of season one, The Tiff. Original air date is 26th of November, 1994. Uh, it was written and the story are both by Lane Reichert. Dot is busy working when the boys come in from circuit racing and they argue about time management. Bob and Dot argue harshly and end up not talking to each other. Enzo tries to call Bob back to the diner, but he refuses and continues to work on his car and then be really bored with Mike the TV. A tear appears in the diner and Dot destroys it, but it blows up and almost destroys the diner. Enzo organizes a meeting to discuss how to fix Bob and Dot's uh, friendship. Fong gives his lesson, which is broken friendship is best mended by tragedy or apology. Enzo fakes a transmission from himself in the hands of Megabyte to Bob, then to Dot. He sets himself up in a trap on a conveyor belt and turns it on. Bob and Dot get there at the same time to save him, but end up arguing too much to save him from being obliterated. Frisket ends up saving the day, since the others can't be bothered to notice him. Enzo goes with plan B to send them hologram apologies. He sends them each one from the other, and they agree to meet up at a park bench. Once they're there, an incoming game lands on them, and they're forced to fight together. They're still mad at each other, but decide to work together in order to to survive, and they end up using traits they dislike about each other in order to beat the game and both learn their lesson. So, Joey, what did you think about this episode? Uh, there's a couple good things about this episode and a couple things that I didn't really care for. But uh, overall, it was really cool. I, I thought the game, which is uh, whatever, Starship Alcatraz, which is a, an escape game, and they have to stop the user. I thought that was really cool. Uh, I very much enjoyed that. Um, the, the personal dynamic between um, Bob and Dot were just kind of so cliche. It was slightly annoying, but hilarious at the same time, so it kind of works for reboots. But, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, we've talked about that before, where things that shouldn't work do work and reboot. <laughs> but uh, overall, I, it's an acceptable episode. What about you, Dan? I liked it. Um, biggest problem I had with it is that they overly accentuated the character flaws in order to make the conflict work. Like, yes, Bob is... Uh, the The whole conflict is Bob is too sporadic and never plans anything out but dot takes too much time planning and doesn't think spontaneously enough and while we have seen that up to this point it's not like overt it's not i don't know they just blew it up out of proportion which i think they had to do in order to make this a decent episode but it it kind of bugged me a little no that's kind of kind of what I was thinking. Um, I have a couple notes about this episode. I thought the glasses that Dot was wearing were pretty hilarious because obviously when you plan things, you have to wear big dorky glasses that look like Harry Potter's. That's well, just, naturally. That's how you have to do that. Um, I did have a question for you. 
um, when they talk about ancient languages, I believe that was COBOL and Fortran. I'm assuming yeah. those are actual computer languages that aren't used anymore, but I don't know yeah. that. Okay. Uh, yeah, they're like early, 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 like 1950s languages that were used. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, see, I wasn't sure. I assumed it was, but it um, didn't work for me. I thought it was hilarious. I believe that Doc called Doc, or excuse me, Doc called Bob random. And that's a huge insult in mainframe, apparently, is to call somebody yeah. random. <laughs> um, do you have anything you want to say about this episode? I've got several notes. Uh, when Dot is sitting there working, there's a, a a vid window that has somebody saying that First National Data Bank awaits her imprint, which is clearly the slang term for signature. Oh, but yeah. First National Bank, uh, First National Data Bank, that's pretty clever. Um, this is an episode where Jean-Luc is hiding in the diner's jukebox at the beginning I of the episode. That. Crap. I was even waiting for Yeah, it. I found that one thanks to the wiki because I never would have noticed it otherwise, but it's so random and ridiculous. I'm going to have to go back and watch it. Yeah, it's funny. The episode title is clearly a pun. or I don't know if there still is in modern usage but there's an image file format the tiff t-i-f-f oh and the definition of tiff is like a petty argument which is the this episode um dot even calls I and mean, a couple of the other insults i said but random he called um you know bob low density which i thought pretty much worked for yeah, the universe and and the whole thing too they're talking about being basic and bob was like if I look a basic in the dictionary, you know what I'm going to find? I'm going to find you. That is so 1990s. I love that. Yeah. Like, I haven't said that in so long, but everybody said that in the 90s. That was huge. Totally. I like when they're arguing and uh, you see Cecil and several binomes pull out popcorn and start watching, kind of like a tennis match where their heads go back and forth as they argue. Oh, yeah. Yep, that's true. Just another classic reboot moment. I liked Enzo's production value on when he uh, calls the Bob and Dot to say he's trapped because they have a director and just so many cliches happened. Like, I cannot work in this... I cannot work this way or something like that, one of the actors says. Or, what's my motivation? Yeah, what's my motivation? That's what caught me. Um, and complete with a clapboard... Right. Uh, for the second take and it, it that's the actual production number that they used for this episode and of course oh i didn't realize that that's pretty interesting um yeah but and of course the director is a cliche you know almost metrosexual kind of director that you would assume would have to be performing this kind of gig <laughs> exactly classic 90s there i did the holograms that uh, Enzo sends to Bob and Dot are by Holomark. Obviously, Hallmark, Holomark. Right. Clever. Um, Bob says easy as pi squared when he's in the game. Yeah. Pi, like off the saying, easy as pi. Pi yeah, being the yeah. number 3.14, the ratio between diameter and circumference of a circle. Look at you. Sorry, math nerds coming out. <laughs> hate when that happens. <laughs> I thought, um, first of all, these vid windows are pretty intrusive. What if you were doing something you didn't want other people to see? And I'll just let that go to your imagination. But they just pop up out of like, that like nowhere. playing video games that are embarrassing. like Right, or Barbie. talking about reboot 20 years later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but And then there's something else, too, I noticed. There was a close shot with Bob underneath his car, and there's rust on Bob's car, which I thought was just, you know, a good, you know, little little niche that somebody put in there. You know, it's just kind of a crappy car. We've noticed it doesn't always start and all sorts of stuff. But it, you know, they just added rust, which I thought was, you know, pretty particular. Yeah, 
Um, in the game, Dot yells "Cool it, Game Boy," which yeah. Game Boy was a portable gaming device for Nintendo for all you youngsters out there. Did you have a Game Boy, Dan, when you were growing up? I never had the classic Game Boy. Uh, first Game Boy I had, I believe, was a Game Boy Color. I had a Game Boy Color as well. My uncle had a Game Boy that I got to play, but I only yeah. owned Game Boy Color. And here is my a- dentist always had the Game Boy that we could play while we were waiting in the waiting room, and it was awesome. Wish I had a dentist. Loved going to the dentist. <laughs> I um, funny little tidbit about Game Boy Colors. That's all I wanted for Christmas one year was Game Boy Colors so I can get Pokemon Blue and play it and i got it however when my mom went to buy it all she had was a purple game boy color so i grew up with a yeah. purple game boy color as did i did you really yeah oh that's weird <laughs> that's so weird except i didn't have pokemon blue the only pokemon i had was yellow and i think i had silver at some point but well, then i stopped caring and then they went on and I, I saw yeah. the newer versions of this game, and it's basically the same thing. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. it's still better graphics, but you still run around, you still randomly run in the Pokemon. I mean, it's still basically the exact same game. Mainframe Chronicle, a Pokemon podcast. Yes. We had Batman in the last one, we got Pokemon in this one. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, uh, um, uh, my final note for the episode is one i got from the wiki again um because it's about shows i never watched but in the prison game scene bob tells dot looks like the user is heading through cell block h which is a pun on the australian tv series prisoner which was renamed cell block h when it came to the u.s i had never heard of either one of those i know i'm kind of interested now though yeah well i, I mean it's italian gets me interested now yeah if, if reboot referenced it it's got to have some merit that's right. that's my theory i think the only other thing that i wanted to add to this um is again how bob is just i mean he's nothing without glitch when he when right at the end there when dot's falling down you know bob can't even think about what he wants to glitch to turn into so he's just like glitch <laughs> Anything. Anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it was great. Smart enough to save Dot because Bob could not come up with, I don't know, uh, an inflatable tube or something. You know, yeah, he he's not very imaginative in this episode. <laughs> like when he, uh, Dot saves him by putting him in a bubble, he can't figure out how to get out. He tries a hammer and like a saw, and then he's like, oh, wait, I'm in a bubble. How about a pin? <laughs> Which, and it works great. <laughs> Yep, and pops in and he falls right down. So, as I mentioned in the summary, Fong's lesson is... It is said that broken friendship is best mended by tragedy or apology. Wow, alphanumeric! Deep! Uh, what do you mean exactly, Fong? I have no idea, child, but you must ponder my words. Which I really like. Which I mean, that's a pretty good lesson. I know. That's a good philosophy to live by. I totally agree, and it's very true. I think we talked uh, about the first episode. I mean, Fong just becomes infinitely cooler as the episodes go on. His, his lessons become better and more articulate and more relevant to our lives. I just, I can't wait to see that character. More of him. Yeah. Uh, so what's your favorite slang from this episode? Oh, there's a couple good ones. I don't even know if we mentioned what's processing. I really like that one. Um, you know, yeah. that again was an Enzo one. Um, I'm going to go with the dictionary insult with basic. Uh, just because yeah. I, I just love that, and it just made me think of my elementary school years. So I'm going to go with that. But probably close second is what's processing. Yeah, those are both really good. I, I liked the sayings in this one. There's at some point someone says, without what's his file name? Oh, yeah, well. people, whenever they can't remember a name, they say, what's his name? Yes. Um, I enjoyed that one, but I, I'd say my favorite is easy as pi squared. Just oh, I thought the you math nerd. You know, math nerd rules out again. 
Anyways, that about does it for the tiff. Yes, and now we will move on to episode six in the Valley of the Beast. Bitch, you can't guess where I just came from. Ah, Monsieur Bob, pas le moindre idée, but you do have a distinctive aroma. How does one put it delicately? You stink. <laughs> well, that explains the rumor that you turned hack and slash into scrap over at the dump. Yeah, just giving Megabyte's goons a little incentive to leave old man Pearson alone. Its original air date was December 3rd, 1994. It was written by Mark Hoffmeyer, and the story was by Hoffmeyer and, again, Lane Reichert. The summary is Megabyte is interrogating old man Pearson, which is pretty funny because it's named after Ian Pearson, uh, one of the show's creators. Megabyte finds out about an old unformat command. He sends his henchmen to get it, and they do. Bob stops Hack and Slash before they get the command to Megabyte, but they drop the command and Frisk eats it. Megabyte tells them to find Enzo for him. He assumes once you find Enzo, you find Frisket. Frisket stumbles into the diner, all green and sick-looking. They try to figure out what's wrong with him. Bob uses the glitch to make him feel better. Uh, Frisket goes to find Enzo, who gets kidnapped. Frisket follows to try and rescue him, but also gets kidnapped. Uh, Megabyte orders the minions to open up Frisket and get the command. Enzo uses a yo-yo trick to get Frisket loose from the cage. They run away. They sabotage with some wires to cut the power. Uh, Megabyte's minions hunt them down, but they manage to trick them and leave on an ABC. Megabyte stops the ship, but they still manage to get away. Frisket craps out <laughs> the remnants of the command, and they escape. Megabyte steps in the dog poop and calls off the chase. Uh, this is the first appearance of Hair Doctor. And uh, what did you think of this episode, Dan? This episode is the epitome of 90s. And the way you can tell is Enzo uses a yo-yo trick. <laughs> That's so When true. was the last time you saw a yo-yo on television? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that at the time. But yeah, he uses, a yo- he uses it all the time, but he actually did something with it here. You're right. Uh, fantastic. I love this episode. Um, Frisket is starting to become an awesome character as opposed to just, you know, that random dog. Yeah, Frisket is a beast, man, the things that he able... He held an (laughs) ABC at full power with his teeth. Yep. I mean, come on. He's, He's kind of a beast, which, you know, the name of the episode is In the Belly of the Beast. Beast meaning he's badass. Yeah, yeah, he really is. He is really badass. Uh, he's kind of stupid for just eating things on the ground, but whatever. He's still pretty badass. He's a dog. I mean, you can't you can't blame that on him too much. Well, that's true. Yeah, first appearance of Herr Doctor, which is, you know, just the stereotypical creepy doctor guy. <laughs> Mad scientist, if you will. Um, one of... Megabyte's henchman. I don't remember if he comes back a whole lot later on, but I'm sure he does once or twice. I'm sure he does. He's a good little character. Had a doctor. This episode is the uh, first time that they distinguish between Hack and Slash. Find out that Hack is red and Slash is blue. Well, that's true. They were always one thing. You're right. First time that I noticed it anyway. I don't think they did, yeah. I mean, they might have, but they made a distinction at this point, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Did you notice randomly that Frisket has a gold tooth? No, I did not. Yeah, when he snarls, his bottom left of his, one of his incisors are gold. I thought that was pretty interesting. Hmm. I'll have to keep an eye out for that. Um, and, you know, a couple good little little slang or whatever you know mr pearson is, is caught up in in the wire you know he wants bob to cut and paste him out of this i mean that's just you know <laughs> classic reboot um i don't was there any more i didn't i didn't write down any um when the minions are running away they yell backspace backspace oh yes yeah and megabyte tells someone to delete the dog poo he steps in as opposed Which, to again, clean it up, but completely '90s sitcom, you know, where people yeah. just step into dog poo all the time. I mean, that's great. Oh, yeah, totally. 
Now, one thing I noticed, too, is when Enzo gets into the ABC, they start firing off missiles, you know, at all these little biomes. Why doesn't Hack and Slash ever use that um, when they're chasing Bob? They probably don't know how to work it. (laughs) They probably don't. You would think Megabyte would have at least one good henchman, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) That's asking too much. And he probably does, but it would be Hair Doctor over Hack and Slash easily. Well, that's true. That's true. This episode, although it was pretty awesome, also kind of had, and I had an issue with, just because, and again, here's another Star Trek reference, it just really reminded me of the next generation when um, Wesley, which is like a little kid, saves the Enterprise somehow, like saves the whole crew somehow. And you're just like, Listen, you know, you've got the best crew in Starfleet on the best ship, and somehow a little 14-year-old kid saves them. That's bullcrap. Same for here. Like, how does, how does Enzo overtake Megabyte? Maybe the hack and slash. I mean, anybody can overtake hack and slash. But he somehow is able to fool and defeat Megabyte. Um, it was just a little, little bit of a stretch of an imagination. But, it was, I mean, it was a good episode. Just kind of have I that think little... most of that was Frisket. I'd, well, I'd rather give Frisket the credit than Enzo that's at fair. this Frisket point in really time. Destroy things pretty well. Yeah. Did you catch uh, any of the Jurassic Park references in this episode? Uh, well, I didn't catch any of them. I just the cage looks kind of like yeah. Uh, what are those little ra- those little dinosaurs called? The, the Velociraptors, right? Yeah. That's what it. There's other ones I'm not sure, but that one I did catch. I mean, that whole scene is very similar. They like prod him with uh, electric, like shocking sticks, and Frisket grabs one of them, shakes him around. That happens in the movie. Um, when Frisket breaks out, he steps. Uh, he knocks the pane of glass over on top of Megabyte and stands on it and roars like the dress or the. Uh, T-Rex did. Yeah, you're uh, right. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. The, yeah, this is pretty funny. Um, this is where, in this episode, we see Bodway again, this Bodway section of town, and there's a cinema called the Algorithm Theater, which, which is, is another aware. math term, math <laughs> computer term. Great name for a theater, though. That, it's got a nice ring to it, the algorithm theater. I mean, it does. I mean, I you know, if you're remotely interested in math, even if you're not interested in math, that kind of has a nice ring to it. Yeah. Um, let's see, what else did I want to Oh, at the end, when Bob and uh, Dot are racing off to save Enzo, I, how do they even know that he was captured by Megabyte? Because they're like, we're going to save you for Megabyte. You think they would have come earlier then if they knew that Megabyte took them? Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. Maybe they just assumed since he'd been gone long enough that he'd been caught by Megabyte. And That's true. I mean, I've, I've, I would always feel safe with Frisket walking in, though. I mean, Frisket yeah, I know, right? really, really took, I mean, he took out tons of things. He just, he can just crunch metal with his teeth like it's nothing. But uh, I also liked how when he was sick and Bob had to fix him with Glitch, um, you know, they opened up his nose and he had a motor running. Right. <laughs> that was so random, but kind of cool looking. <laughs> I know, he was some kind of robot or something. It was great. It kind of reminded me of the Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon where he had a little dog that he would fly around on that was mechanical. I think it was Sonic. Yeah, I haven't seen that in forever. I don't really remember. That was so long ago. That wasn't. I don't think that was one I watched a lot. It was just I watched it every once in a while. Yeah, me too. Um, we don't even see Fong in this episode, do we? No, and we barely see Dot and Bob. Really, I mean, this whole thing yeah. is Enzo and Frisket. Yeah, I like episodes that kind of stray from the norm a little bit and see a different character for once. Well, yeah, and this I mean, is definitely a good example of that. Before this episode, Frisket was just a little dog. I mean, that was just there, and he's kind of cute, you know. But now we see that he can. He, I mean, how dedicated and loyal he is to Enzo, 
you know, and how much of a beast he is. I mean, all in one episode. Yeah. So. Alrighty. Um, what was your favorite slang in this episode? Um, I guess I'm just going to have to go at my favorite uh, slang. There was, and to me, I mean, maybe I didn't catch a lot of them. There wasn't a whole lot of them. But, uh, you know, just I mean, the whole backspace, backspace as the minions are running away. You know, I just thought that was pretty comical. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that that was probably mine. Um, I really liked the algorithm theater. Uh, but yeah, those are probably my two favorite of this episode. Yeah, I didn't catch the algorithm theater, but that is pretty good. Lonely, call me on the mainframe party line. My name's Kay, and I'm waiting to hear from you now. Mike, having trouble getting things done? Let's get organized! At least he didn't use the garbage disposal. Okay, so now we've got to the point where we are going to score um, all three episodes we talked about today. We're going to start with the first episode, which is episode four, The Medusa's Bug. Uh, Dan, what do you think you're going to give that? Today we're going to score it as vid window since they appeared a lot in this episode. Um, yeah, I think it was a good episode. It was fun. It had a lot of references to the disaster movies and that kind of thing. Um, I think because of the abacus vid window, I think I'm going to have to give it a six. That's a solid, uh, solid score. I think since this is the first episode that we get to see Medusa or Medusa, this I think the, I think since this is the first episode that we get to see Hexadecimal just go crazy. I got to give it an eight with Windows because I love Hexadecimal as a character, and we got to see her do some crazy stuff this episode. Awesome. How about the TIFF? The TIFF where they're just arguing. We're going to name these scores after the PCUs, the guns that uh, Dot uses in the game. What do you think, Joey? Um, I thought overall um, this episode was a little bit 90s cliche with just them being best of friends and being worst of friends and then being best of friends again. And So it wasn't anything original, though I thought the game was pretty awesome. Uh, so I'm going to have to give it a 6. PCUs. What about you, Dan? I agree. Um, it was a little too cliche for me. While there were a lot of good references to like the old languages and stuff, and Fong's lesson is really nice. I think I'm gonna have to give it a five because it was just it was just average for me. Five PCUs. All right, now we're gonna move on to episode six of season one, in the belly of the beast. Um, and here we're going to rank it as unformat commands. Uh, so what do you think, Dan? Well, this is the first episode that I've gotten really sad at because it, it's really hard to watch Frisket be sick. Um, so just just for, you know, since they were able to make me sad in a cartoon because a dog got sick, I'll give it a seven. Um, this episode for me, although there was some, a lot of, a lot of good things, just the whole idea that somehow Enzo and Frisket were able to combat Megabyte and it was just a little bit of a stretch of the imagination. I'm going to have to give it a six as well. Uh, six on format commands. Awesome. Well, that about wraps up this episode of Mainframe Chronicle. As always... As always, you can reach us at uh, mainframechronicle at gmail dot com. Our Facebook page, which is Mainframe Chronicle, just search for it. Twitter is at mf chronicle. Um, feel free to leave us thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, anecdotes, whatever. Yeah, I mean, as people. Um, add to the show, you know, we can include it into the next episode. You know, if you have anything you want to add, you know, we can include a section of listener mail or something. You know, if you want to send in 
a uh, you know, MP3 introduction or something. We might even be able to do that. You know, so keep you know your eyes open. You know, participate. We'd love to hear from you. Yep, that that about doesn't. We should find a good way right. to sign off. Yeah, we should. Stay frosty, my friends. <laughs> I mean, that, I suppose that works until we find something better. All right, stay frosty, my friends. Enzo, are you okay? Yeah, we were coming to save you. From what? From Megabyte. What happened? Oh, nothing. Me and good old Frisket here just kicked Megabyte's bitmap. That's all. Looks like we owe you one, boy. Uh, right. Uh, good dog. No, great dog. We should follow him. We should follow him, yeah. yeah. And, and we'll we should get that, uh, that command. Yeah. We will we will, fail. we will not fail him. Right. Never mind. I think I've already found it. Someone delete that and clean up this place. Uh oh! I think he beats us.